0: To begin with Jeremiah chapter 29 where the Lord says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. Thoughts of what? Peace and not evil to give you an expected end. To understand that God has a plan for all. How many of you believe that given any circumstance, God has a plan for my life? Yeah, you kind of, okay. And then life happens, right? But how many of you believe that in the in the marching orders of my life, right? In the sense that God has a plan for my life, he only reveals it one step at a time. And that's where I begin to like I'd like to know what's around the next bend. But we're not going to know that until we take the right so in Psalm it says the steps of a good man are ordered, right? set forth by the Lord, Psalm 37. So the Lord's leading is strictly on an as-needed basis, right? I mean, some of you would say, well, I'd like to know what's going to happen next year. It might scare the pants off, well, scare you to death, right? It would just, it might frighten you, beyond, and it would paralyze you with fear. I'm, I'm good to know that God is in control and that all I need to know is what's the next step, what's the next right thing for me to do. And to know that that will lead to the next step and the next. I like what Bill Gothard, and that's an old, some of you may not even know that name, but uh, he had some interesting writings, pretty, uh, anyway, good guy. But Bill Gothard said, God's will is exactly what you would choose if you had all the facts. God's will is exactly what you would choose if you had all the facts. But guess what? You don't. In all thy ways, I like Psalm or Proverbs 35, right? Lean not into your own understanding, but in all thy ways, what does it say? Acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. To acknowledge is to become acquainted with, to become acquainted with God. The more you are acquainted with God and His Word, the more you will understand and be able to follow after His will. In time, faith, will reveal its purpose, so that you might be perfect and entire or complete and lacking nothing, James chapter 1. Faith expressed over time reveals the purpose, which is the point of the book of James, where we read that faith is made perfect by what? By obedience, by obedience. So we concluded last week, stop trying so hard, I don't know if you remember that. Stop trying so hard to work things out, and by all means, don't jump to conclusions, but just take the next right step. And by the way, if you don't know the next step, Psalm 46, what does he tell you to do? Be still. And just know that I'm God. And the hardest thing ever given a man to do is to be still, right? Well, so much of our conversation, so much of our teaching, right? You've read 101 ways how to, you know, whatever. So much of our conversation and teaching and prayer is about how can God fix my problem? But I don't know if you've realized it yet or not, but it's not about you. It has to be enough to know that if God is glorified, it will be for my good but we think of it just the opposite, right? I want it to be for my good, and then God will get the glory. No. It's got to be enough for you to know that it's for God's glory. And it's definitely not up to you to work it out, but if you just wait a minute, God might be able to use you in the circumstance of your life as it is right now. Consider the people that God uses, chapter 2, verse 1. I just kind of paused on this for a bit. And Joshua, the son of Nun, now that's a pretty impressive name. We know Joshua, the battle of Jericho, he was a good spy. We know all the good things about him. And so he was sent out of Shittim, two men to spy secretly. How many? Two. And he said to these two, go and view the land, even Jericho. And they went, and they came To a harlot's house named Rahab, and there they lodged, spent the night. You ever ask yourself why two spies instead of 12? You remember the, the, I didn't teach you that song last week, the 10 were bad and two were good. But you remember that there were 12 spies originally, right, way back, we're going back 40 years now. And 10 of them said, no, we can't. Two of them said, yes, we can. that was Joshua and Caleb. But consider this principle. The more important a task you have, the less people you assign to lead it. If I'm convinced this is something the Lord wants to do, I don't need a committee to say, what are we going to do? It's the Lord's will. It's the thing God wants us to do. I'm just going to send a couple guys just to go, go confirm that, yep, what they said 40 years ago is still true. It's there. It's the same situation. And I just want them to come back and convince with a, with, a convention, with a conviction that it's the Lord's will. Let's get to it. When you're convinced of the necessity of a project, you don't need a bunch of people to try to convince everybody else. You just say, it's the Lord's will. Let's go. So after 40 years of convincing them in the wilderness It was no longer a question of if we can take the land. It's simply a question of when will we go. And time was at hand. By the way, how many times does God have to speak before it's disobedience? Right? Joshua and the people were excited and with great anticipation, they needed to send out only two spies to confirm, not question, what God had said God used fewer spies than before, and he also used a lower class of people than you might have gone to seek for help where'd they go? You ever ask yourself why a why a harlot's house? A lot of people try to explain it. well you know they wouldn't they wouldn't be it wouldn't be unexpected that people might come and go from this house like a brothel or something you know i don 't think she 's still living in that lifestyle though i I, I think we've but at any rate. In Schofield's note, I was reading there, and it said, No more unlikely character than Rahab could have been divinely chosen for deliverance from ungodly Jericho. God seems to delight in using the feeble and frail efforts of men and women to accomplish His task. Why? Well... 1 Corinthians 1. You know this principle. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and the things that are base of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught or nothing things that are. Why? Why? Why does God work that way? So that no flesh could glory in His presence. Why? So that you don't get any credit. It's of God. It's not because you're so special. It's because God. Whatever else you may think of this woman of low esteem, we are reminded by her example that we have no place to glory. Now, you're going to say, well, I don't live like that, preacher. Oh, well, okay, but by the grace of God, right? We have no place to glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may recall in John chapter 8, this uh, scene where the Pharisees brought an adulterous woman to Jesus, and when they stood her before Jesus, they expected immediate condemnation, right? You, everybody knows what she's been living like. What do you say, Jesus? And so he says, he that was without sin, you, you cast the first stone. And then one by one, they must have dropped their stones and walked away. And then after the commotion died down, Jesus looked up and said, where are your accusers? And then said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. By the grace of God, he uses the feeble efforts of people. Seldom as we might select them, but always by His grace. I like what John Newton said, there will be three unexpected things in heaven. Number one, to see so many people there I did not expect to see. Number two, to not see some people that I had thought would be there. Number three, he said, the most amazing thing of all is to find myself there. I'm amazed at the people God uses, but what's more, I'm amazed at the problems God can solve, verse 2. And it was told, and we'll go all the way down to verse 11. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither at night of the children of Israel to search out the country And the king of Jericho sent sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house. For they be come to search out the country. And the woman took the two men, hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wish not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I don't know. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. That's a significant statement. And the men pursued after them the way of the Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they were which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto them, The men I know that the Lord... Unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you, your God. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. This goes back 40 years, and the story lives on. When you came up out of Egypt, and what what you did unto the two kings of the Ammonites, these sworn enemies, That were on the other side of the Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man in Jericho because of you, your God. These stories. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now there are two elements to this story that always go together. Think back through what just happened. Two elements that always go together. In fact, I'm not sure you can have one without the other. Fear and faith. Fear and faith. Consider the faith that was stirred by the fear in the hearts of the citizens of Jericho. The reputation of God preceded them, and Jericho was on heightened alert. Men of God had come into their city, and they were going to rid themselves of any threat they thought. But God had just begun to work to solve this problem of resistance and consider His provision. Along the way, how they crossed the Jordan. Now, excuse me, how they just happened to enter the home of the only believer in the city, how they hid out in the forest. We're not told any of these details, but we know that it was no accident. This is the beginning of what you know from Romans chapter 8, God working all things together for good. God's beginning to work as they've Progressing toward Jericho. How's God going to work this out? I don't know. But God's going to work all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But did God need this former harlot to serve as hostess and tell a lie in order to solve the problem of those who would kill the spies? Now you're at a dilemma, right? Now, I don't believe it's necessary for Rahab to lie, but I do believe she spoke earnestly in the only terms that she knew. Now, I do not want to suggest a theology built on white lies, right? I'm not trying to suggest that. And I'm not trying to suggest a situational ethics kind of conversation, but may I just say in passing, be patient with young believers that did not grow up in church like you grew up, that perhaps came to the Lord later in life and still have some hang-ups from some of the past vocabulary and conversations and habits of life. They may not say it the way you'd want it to be said. They may not wear it the way you want them to wear it. And they still struggle with things over which you would say, I have long since left that behind. But they haven't. But God bless their hearts. They're part of God's provision for the work. And if nothing else, then to remind us of the depths from which you and I have come. And that but by the grace of God, that's me. Well, the family of God is not monolithic. It's not stagnant. We are not zombies walking around as sort of robotic motions that we all do exactly the same thing. But we're always giving birth to new babies in Christ. And they need time and they need encouragement and they need help to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, a closer consideration of this woman, Rahab, lest you think I'm making too much of it. It reveals her true character, which is now and forever remembered from this day forward and will in fact, will in fact, if you remember back to our conversation around the genealogies of Christ in Matthew chapter 1, her name is there. Pretty amazing. Where did she hide the spies? Let me make something of that as well there in verse 6. Up on her roof, among the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order there on the roof. Now, this is something that she had prepared some time ago. These stalks of flax didn't just happen to be there. It is actually a significant thing to the new life she now lives, unless you think I'm reading too much into it. Do you know Proverbs chapter 31? In Proverbs chapter 31, we meet who? The virtuous Godly woman. What's said of her? Who could find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. She seeks wool and flax, and she works diligently with her hands. This woman was no longer living a life of harlotry. Rahab's works are mentioned twice in the New Testament as an example of faith. It's expressed in Hebrews. It's also, she is also used as an example in the book of James, where it reminds us that faith without works is dead, being alone. By holding God in fear, <clears throat> she lived her life in faith. This was the one and only household wherein God was not only feared, but was obeyed. That is to say, the fear of God stirred the faith of God in her heart. God's provision often comes to us in ways we least expect it, often from those who can least afford it, sometimes in ways we would never choose it, but my God has promised to supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And not only does he provide, he protects. You remember this often repeated phrase from the book of Joshua we saw it last week. We'll see it again. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed: for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. That's his protection. So without lifting a finger, God's reputation went before them, and God struck fear in the hearts of all the military men and all the families and all the people. The story of crossing the Red Sea, the destruction of the Amorites, it left a lasting impression. The works of God stand in testament to His greatness. Psalm 107, for example. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His wonderful goodness, for His goodness and for His wonderful or awesome works to the children of men. Repeats it over and over. Psalm 107. When you believe you are where God commands, He is not only with you, but He has also already promised to prepare the way. Faithful is he that calls you, who also will do it. Only remember this, God cannot work in the problem until he has first worked in the person. That's why you're in this circumstance right now. Not because you're bad, but in this circumstance, you're going to learn something about yourself you didn't know before. Your heart's going to be stretched in ways you never imagined before. Your understanding about life your compassion for others. Something is being taught to you right now in the circumstance of your life. And before anything else changes, you will change. So we're now ready to consider the promises that God makes. We go on with verse 12. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord. So this is Rahab speaking. I've showed you kindness, so that you will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a token, and that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brother, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if you utter not this business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. A significant feature, by the way, of what we used to call Judeo-Christian values. That we will deal, so even though we're going to conquer the land, we'll deal fairly, honestly, kindly, truly with those who trust in the Lord. And she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned and afterward you may go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. So this scarlet thread that she let them down from the wall there and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household come unto thee, and it shall be that whosoever shall go, shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, right? You're afraid, you're scared, and you run for your life. Try to work it out on your own. His blood shall be upon his own head. And we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head. If any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According to your words, and so be it. She sent them out away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line and the window. And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. The pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. In the promises that God makes, faith is required. Back up in verse one, when the spies were selected, what did they do? They went. That's it. God says, Do it. And you say, Well, I'm not sure this is a good time. <laughs> I'm not sure, well, maybe we should take a couple extra guys with us. Maybe we should take some more provisions. I'm just not sure. God says, I obey. As they entered the city, they were led into the only house of refuge. When they were pursued by the king's men, they trusted a stranger to whom God had led them. And with the coming destruction of Jericho, the woman was told to stay put in her house and to not flee outside. And finally, when the spies returned to Joshua, they declared by faith, the Lord has delivered them into our hands. Well, that's pretty... Assuming. Hebrews 11, that great faith chapter, again, we read, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. You remember the whole story? Marched around. Remember that? Walls of Jericho. And you sing a song, maybe another kid's song, and we sing this song about it. By faith, it says, The harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. I think sometimes we call upon people to believe in a rather weak image of who God is. And we leave people to wonder if he'll be there to help when I need him the most. And if he shows up, will he even be able to do anything about my circumstance? because we don't know the reputation of God. We serve an omnipotent, almighty, all-powerful God. And should He choose, He can raise the dead. Should He choose, He can heal the sick. Should He choose, He can shut the mouth of lions. Should He choose to glorify Himself in that way. I don't know about you, but I find it much easier to trust in this kind of God who is over all the earth. Psalm 47 again. For the Lord Most High is terrible. It's the word awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. In the New Testament, the disciples, remember the disciples, they'd been with Jesus, they'd seen all kinds of miracles, right? They believed he could get healed, the sick, the blind, et cetera, you name it. And then they're in a boat one time with Jesus. who had fallen asleep. And they wake him up. Like, don't you care that we perish? Oh, you have little faith. And what does he do? Peace, be still. And the wind stopped. And the waves stopped. And at that moment, the disciples said to one another, and they feared exceedingly, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? All of nature. To express faith, I must not only believe that he is, but that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Back to that faith chapter of Hebrews 11. Faith is not only required, but my friend, faith is rewarded. Faith is rewarded. It is the diligence of obedience that assures us of God's blessing. It's not like a one-time, one-and-done, and like, okay, I never have to bother with this again until I need Him. No, it's the diligence of obedience over time that expresses your faith and assures us of His reward. At the fall of Jericho, now we'll read that in. Uh, by the time we get to chapter 6. At the fall of Jericho, the reward for Rahab's faith is that she and all that were with her in the house lived because she had hid the messengers. Lip service to God and the occasional attendance to His Word on a Sunday morning will not provide you the reward that you have come to church seeking. Your belief must result in behavior. You're not saved by your behavior. But if this is what you believe, this is how you'll behave. You remember James? He challenged us in James chapter 2. You believe, there's, you believe that uh, there's a God, right? Everyone, yeah, I believe there's a God. Then he says, you do well because the devil himself believes and trembles. What was true of all the people in in Jericho? They all had believed the stories, and they were all afraid. But it didn't change one thing about their life, right? Obedience is the hand that fits the glove of faith. You have need of patience. Now, that's, that's an assumed statement. You have need of patience, Hebrews chapter 10. After that you have done the will of God, then you might receive the promise. And before I close, notice also the cord by which Rahad leapt in down over the wall. Remember that? According to verse 18, what color was it? Does that make your mind go anywhere? It has often been said the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is the scarlet cord that runs through every occurrence of Scripture calling men and women to repentance. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It must have been a strange sight as the Israeli army marched around that city, and every time they passed Rahab's window, there was the scarlet cord. Stranger still must have been the protection of this one section of the wall in which Rahab and all her household dwelt. Everything else collapsed except this one section of the wall. How shall we escape? if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard it. Hebrews 2. Matthew Henry in his commentary points out the rest of the story. I alluded to it earlier. The rest of the story, right? Paul Harvey. Matthew chapter 1. I won't read it. But in Matthew chapter 1, we realize that Rahab, this Rahab, this former harlot, this Rahab, was afterwards advanced to be princess in Israel. She became the wife of Salmon, not Solomon, Salmon, Salmon, the mother of Boaz. Is that a name you know? Rahab, princess of Israel mother of Boaz by which she becomes one of the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that faithfully serve Christ and suffer for Him will not only be protected but also enjoy the preferential treatment of God who will do for them more than we are ever able to ask or think. Isaiah 40. You know this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. The story of Rahab and the spies reminds us that God's merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. And so the spies return to report that this city was all that God had promised. Knowing that God's reputation preceded them to set to flight the unbelieving of the land. Keep in mind, it was enough for them to know that God had prepared the way. Although the plan of attack had not yet been revealed, never forget God's plan is provided on an as needed basis. Do you have needs today? Are there giants that you're facing? Do some things seem out of your control? Philippians 4, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I cannot tell you what God is going to do in that circumstance that you're facing right now. But I do know his reputation, and based upon his reputation, I know that given my circumstance... His will is exactly what I would choose if I had all the facts. Before you enter the land of your giants, acknowledge God, right? Get acquainted with God. Don't wait until the wheels fall off. Get acquainted with God because pretty soon you're going to need Him. I don't know what you're going to face, but you're going to need Him. Call upon the Lord now.